Yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> when um, Helen asked me to, um, to give a talk today, she uh, essentially asked me if you could try to bridge between theory and practice because this is a mixed uh, seminar today. We have a few speakers who will talk about the practice of financing innovation. And later in the afternoon, I think most of the papers are more academic. So I think I will make that attempt today. And this is what I've got on my agenda. So give you kind of a, a bit of a make a case for why financing innovation is important. It does matter. Give you some, uh, some points to that effect give you an overview of uh, the uh, global venture capital industry because it may not be obvious to many of you who are not studying the subject as to how it is uh, distributed around the world um, at the moment. And then I will try to give you uh, a sense of uh, the different sorts of financing that are available to the entrepreneur uh, at different stage of the development cycle of the firm. Okay, so it's not a one-to-one. -one. And finally, um, if I manage uh, well, is um, I will kind of naturally introduce the the kind of the papers that will be discussed and pre presented and discussed later today. Okay, that's my agenda. So, if you take a, a broader view of uh, entrepreneurship for a moment, you can think of um, just to kind of put provide some context for for innovation finance. It, it typically starts with the opportunity. You know, someone thinks of some new idea, a new concept, and so on, and, and the entrepreneur. And, and the, even at that early stage, Eureka, the entrepreneur seek to um, develop the opportunity, think, think it through, uh, perhaps um, um, uh, add initial resources to it to kind of move it a bit further ahead so that it is sufficiently attractive for investors to come in and provide financing. Okay, so you got this kind of triangle opportunity. This is a very simple model. It's not my model, but I use it quite often because it's easy to remember, so it works for me. Opportunity, entrepreneur, and resources. And what I'd like to do is draw your attention to resources. There are all kind of resources that the new opportunities does require. You require um, technical resources, human resources, and of course, financial resources. And that's the focus of, of the session, the seminar today. Now, I want to stress that this is really important that the entrepreneur, together with its uh, investor part slash partners, do try to get this in balance. Okay, sometimes you have a, a kind of great opportunity, but it does require, it doesn't have the right skills or human capital to develop it, or not sufficient resources. So unless this, this model is in balance, it's likely to fail. And most of you, or, or many of you who are studying the topic would know that in the first five or six years of a new firm, <clears throat> the failure rate is, is around, is in excess of 50%. Many studies have shown that. I'm sure you can show me study who are showing lower failure rate. But typically, the failure rate is quite high in the early years. And surveys uh, exposed of why do those firms fail uh, indicate that one of the primary reasons is it comes down to the finance, financial aspect to it. So this is trying to make a case why 
it's really important to get this, this entrepreneurial finance under control early on and in balance, okay? To, to improve the odds of success. Now, this is now my overview of, uh, okay, so what? Okay, it's important to minimize failure. Now, is it important beyond that? Venture capital or, or financing innovation. I'll give you some figures. In 2012, <coughs> the uh, overall global venture uh, uh, invested around the world was, was kind of 42 billion. Okay, so 0.3% of the world GDP. So it's not this totally negligible area. It's quite important. The other thing that's important at this point in time, 85%, over 85% of that figure is invested in, in advance of developed economies, as opposed to developing economies or emerging economies or perhaps poorer economies who are sort of trying to get on the bandwagon. So it's very concentrated in a few places. Now, the impact, the economic impact, and this is now a survey from the DNVCA, is the US Venture Capital Association. So this is a survey financed by the NVCA a few years back, which shows that in the 25 years prior to 2007, so this is like early 80s if you want, a number of firms which were all VC funded, the Apple, Microsoft, just to give you some, these are big names today. Those did not exist 25 years ago. Intel, Cisco, eBay, Amazon, all those firms did not exist 25 years ago and they have one thing in common at least, they were all VC funded at one point. And uh, if you look at the, the market cap, capitalization of those firms today that were VC funded in the last 25 years, it's, it's, it's significant, it's huge. And just to put in context, these are some of the figures that came out of this, of this study. 2.3 cumulatively, all these companies that were VC funded, 2.3 trillion in revenue, cumulative, this is just the US situation, 10 million jobs, 17% of the US GDP. This is, this is very, very significant by any measures. <clears throat> now the other point that's interesting, and this is a, <clears throat> a separate analysis here, if you look also over that period, the last 20 to 30 years, if you want, what we've seen also is the percentage of the total, um, of the standard and poor, uh, you know, the largest 500 companies in the US, the percentage of the value of those companies that consists in intangible assets have increased significantly. Now, intangible assets is things like patents, trademarks, and, you know, copyrights, intellectual property, which at its roots, you could think innovation, you know, something can innovate, it's worth trying protecting. As you see, it's now 80% of the value of the top 500 companies in the US are consists of intangible assets as opposed to the other way around 30 years ago. So there's been a ma massive transformation. So this is try to emphasize the, the importance of innovation and financing innovation. Now if you look at the industry for a moment, the global industry, over the last six, seven years, you will see that uh, if you look at some of the, t I don't know if you can read that from the back row, uh, hope you sorry, apologize. 
it's hard to cram everything in one slide, but you'll see the number of VC rounds, venture capital investment rounds, it's pretty flat over six, seven years. If you look at the number in the first column, the number in the last one, it's about the same. Also in terms of, we talk about 42 billion, well that's what it was seven years ago, 42 billion. So it's been fluctuating with, with obviously the ups and downs of the economy, but it's not any, going anywhere soon. You know, it's pretty flat. Okay, so that's one message I want. It's big, it's important, but it's not growing massively. Okay, it's pretty sort of stagnant, I think, in the recent past. And I think as you see here, I've already declared that the US and Europe make up for 85%. I think you can see that on that bar chart as well. So <clears throat> just to give you some, some highlights, you know, in 2012, this is the most recent year I, I had access to, uh, the number of VC funds declined actually by 13% year on year. So these are new VC fund raised every year around the world. You know, you raise a new fund and then in the following few years you invest it, try to make good of it. So that number of new VC funds has actually gone down. The amount of money raised is down by 30% as well. Um, the other issue also, which those of you doing work on IPO or M&A, sorry, initial public offerings, this is when you list a company uh, on the, post, uh, the public markets, an initial offering, or an M&A is a merger and acquisition when your company is sold to a larger company. So that's essentially how VCs get their return on investment via an exit. Well, it just so happened that the, the exit uh, um, environment has been very difficult uh, ever since the Lehman Brothers kind of crisis, financial crisis we've been in. It's been uh, improving a little bit and then down, so, but it's been very difficult. Just some figures here, the IPO declined by 30% also in 2012, and also is VC, VC back, M&A activities are down. Okay, the other point I want to stress is it's VC, on the, if you take at the global picture, is very concentrated in a few places. Everyone's heard about Silicon Valley, isn't it? So there are a few other hot spots in, in the world, but, but you know, by the time you get over the top five or six, seven, you pretty well cover the whole venture capital uh, um, story worldwide. So we'll see that on the next slide. And the other point I want to stress in terms of trend is this is not new. It's been that way for a number of years. But VCs, ten, venture capitalists, tend to invest in opportunities that are a bit further ahead, i.e. they have already an initial product. It may not be a fully featured product, but the product is starting to ship in small volume. And then they feel at that point the risk is not too high to put, uh, is about right to put significant amount of money. Usually VCs will invest up a millions, you know, not a few thousands of dollars or, or pounds, it's millions. So, but they're looking for that right configuration. So all that to say that the numbers are large, 42 billion, but a very small portion of that, around 5%, that's pretty fixed, hasn't changed a great deal over the last five years, uh, is, is going to early stage. And that's, that's a bit worrisome because you know it's a bit like a funnel. If there's nothing coming in the funnel, nothing will come down at the end. So the ecosystem has to be in balance. So I'm raising these issues because they're not new. People refer to the equity gap as, as being the issue, you know. 
And, but you know, what it means is that I think the, the, the papers we'll be talking about presenting today um, will actually address new models to address these issues to some extent. By the way, you can stop me at any time. I know there's a, a structured Q&A unless uh, Carlo uh, tells otherwise. You can stop me to ask questions, uh, a practical question as well. As I say, I'm more of a, a practitioner VC than uh, an academic at this point. Uh, but um, I'll be glad to, to answer those questions you have. So just to give you an, an example, this is where these, uh, as of uh, a year ago, were these hotbeds. This is the Bay, Silicon Valley, New England, Boston. We all heard about MIT, you know, a lot of hot stuff coming out there. Southern California, this is San Diego. It's under, and then you got New York and the United Kingdom. Obviously, the United Kingdom is not like a, uh, it's a country, but you know, by the time you cover London, Oxford and Cambridge, and, sorry, no, I don't know there's someone from Manchester. I think that's where the bulk of it is going, you know? So it's, it's very concentrated in the south as well. So you see that's 50% of the global, of the global visa, and China is coming and growing fast. It's mostly around Beijing, for those of you who are familiar with the situation there. Um, but you know, by the time you cover the top four or five hotspots, I mean, that's, that's the industry. And oh, am I going backward? No, okay, so this is to, to kind of stress that, you know, you see this yellow band at the bottom? This is the early stage. So as you see, any year, the last five years, around 5%, it does, does, it's not seem, doesn't seem to grow uh, with the cycle, you know, whether you're in the low, low end of the cycle, top of the cycle, early stage investment tends to be pretty, pretty fixed. Now, where there are variations, though, is across countries. U.S., for example, Israel uh, is, are known, are countries where the percentage of total VC invested in those countries in early stage is much higher than, say, uh, in France or even in the U.K., okay? So more, there's more of a risk entrepreneurial culture, uh, I would say, somewhat more forgiving of failure than in other cultures. Like I know in some countries in Europe, you have one chance. If you fail, you're blacklisted for, I mean, VCs won't get anywhere close to you. You're, you're, you're excuse the expression, you're a loser, you know, so don't, don't invest in. I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's part of learning, you know, in, in the US or in Israel. So, okay, I need to accelerate a bit here. In the, you know, now you have to, you can think of a different stage of development of the firm, okay? So, you know, just to kind of be clear on the definition here, sometimes we talk about company at the development stage, this is ID concept, no product yet, and so on. Startup, typically it's product development stage. Uh, you may actually have a, a marketing person in starting to gather the customer requirements and, and sort of tell these early customers that it's coming, you know, so to have early engagements. But no, and then you have early growth, that's when you start to ship early volume, not in large mass scale, but, but you're starting to ship products in some smaller volume. And then you have rapid growth and expansion. So after what I discussed, where do you think most of the 42 billion globally is going? I think you would know that it's here, and a bit here, and very little up there, okay? 
So if you look at that in terms of revenue and cash flow, the black line, I don't know if you can see colors from the back, but you know, you'll see here revenue can start as, as, as early as early, early growth stage or startup phase even. You can start to ship initial product and get some revenue. But from a financing point of view, what matters is the black curve. You know, cash flow typically on the whole may not actually get positive well until an exit and an exit. So you see company going IPO and you look at the prospectus, well, these companies have had no revenue or very little revenue over the last three years. Why should I invest in that? Well, that's the norm, you know? So VCs will exit their companies when they're just kind of getting around this point, you know, maybe a bit here and so on. <clears throat> so that means that there's a financing requirements all the way up to this point, okay? And then you can think of a sequence of venture capital. You got bootstrapping, you know what bootstrapping is? Okay, that's when you use the funds you have, you know, family and friends, and you get the company off the ground with the credit card, remortgaging the house, whatever works, and so on. Uh, and then you got the seed financing, there's a number of schemes uh, that I think we have experts to talk about in various countries. R&D financing, those are R&D rebates or incentive the governments give. In Europe, it's quite common, in the US as well. Startup financing, first stage, and then these are different stages of VC financing. You have a first round, second round, third round. Now, you don't have to go through each of those. Sometimes you may have seed funding for especially like a software or an internet company. And then after your seed financing, you may get just the first round, uh, you know, in terms of size. And that's it, then you go, you go public, you're, you're in the money. Uh, so some, some sectors are more capital intensive than others, okay? <clears throat> and so on. So I think it, I just, just kind of pictured that, there's a series of the sequence of funding. And then you have different sources. So I'm giving you all the variables here. So I've already introduced the concept of self-financing, friends and family. I think we'll talk today very much about that second category, which I've just updated my slide, my lecture slide on, in the last year or two on this, because this was not very common a few years ago. Uh, and then you get business angels, uh, venture capital investors, trade credit and factoring. So this is financing from your receivables and so on. Asset base, if you have some asset. A lot of these things are on paper, but for many small company, they're not really practical. So you have to keep that in mind. Mezzanine and then private placement and IPOs. So that's when you're much for. So if you look at terms of size, you know, you may not get uh, millions from friends and family, except if you're, if you're from a family of serial, serial entrepreneur living in Silicon Valley. <coughs> You may get millions from family members, but uh, in general, you know, you're talking a few thousands of pounds of dollars you can get from friends and family. And then, you know, crowdfunding, and I'll, I'll let the expert talk to this point uh, later today, but I think we're talking potentially very small amounts to a few hundreds of thousands. I've, I've heard crowdfunding rounds of up to a million, I think. So I think it's, it seems to be a wide range. And then you got angel investors, <coughs> venture capital investors, and then later on, <coughs> when the firm is much more mature, you can have different private equity uh, buyout options. <coughs> so if you put that in the context of the UK, for example, you know, entrepreneur, you know, talking a few thousands here, pounds, business angels, 
kind of 50 to half a million pounds. Don't quote me on this because it varies a bit, but that's kind of typical. And then you got VCs. If you have an early stage VC, they may actually go in for an early, very early seed round of um, a million, which they would syndicate with another VC, half a million each, that kind of thing. But the sweet spot is more around here and here for, for most VCs, okay? <clears throat> so if you put that in the context of the development cycle of the firm, you got something that kind of looks like that. I don't know if that looks a bit fuzzy from the back, but it's, it, I, there was an attempt to make it look like there's some overlap, you know, it's not a clear cut. The, i.e. the business angels have done their job and then they pass it over to the VC and they're finished. It doesn't quite work that way. And that's what this slide is trying to show, is if at any, whatever stage you're at of, the, of your firm, you may have different options, okay, different sources that may be applicable uh, to you. So, you know, you can't just rule them out. Some of them may be interested in your venture, although it's, you, it's a bit earlier stage than they normally do. So you have to keep that in, into account, okay? So I think the gray zones is meant to be, meant to show that there's some kind of <coughs> uh, ill-defined um, uh, zone area there where they could invest, okay? Now, you know, if I'm gonna zoom in for a moment because you know that 42 billion today, the bulk of it is really venture capital and angel capital worldwide. I don't think, um, Crowdfunding has, has grown big enough to, to make a big difference at this point. But I think that may, this is something to watch. I think it will change. That's my view. So, you know, if, you, if I'm going to zoom in for a moment and just contrast the angel investor, a so-called informal cap provider of informal capital, uh, these investors, they invest their own money out of their own pocket. So, you know, they don't need to ask and get agreement from other investors or go to an investment committee to get approval and so on. If they like the deal and they think they can contribute and they see it kind of being successful, they just go ahead and within a few days or weeks at most, uh, they will free up the money for your firm. So that, that's an attractive uh, um, situation in many instances. Having said that, they don't have typically the ability to invest, uh, let's say you, you kind of have a more capital intensive business, to invest millions. So if you know you're going to need that at some point, you, start, you need to start to nurture and think about venture capital investors as well, okay? And those institutional venture capital investors, they're so-called institutional because they typically invest money from other, other people. And other people, quote-unquote, are legal entity. They could be pension funds, bank, um, insurance companies, banks a bit less so now than they used to be <laughs> after the uh, family offices and so on, so big money. And those, those large uh, sovereign funds even, and those large funds, they tend to be, uh, or the, these large investors, they tend to be very diversified across different asset classes. And I think common, <coughs> um, common, <coughs> common wisdom nowadays is to invest five to 10% of your portfolio in alternative assets, of which this is a key area, okay? So this is a good source. And I think, as you may imagine, the returns, this is risk capital, venture capital is risk capital. So higher risk, higher return, expectation anyway, not always realized, but you know, you can expect higher returns and, and that's why there's a repeat clientele who are realizing their investment and then they take the money and they invest in the next fund and so on. 
because they like this kind of higher risk, higher return at the portfolio level of investment, it does make sense. <clears throat> now the other thing about institutional investor, uh, investors or venture, uh, venture capital is there's a very kind of complex structure and cycle involved. I think you've seen the structure. You had a, a venture capital manager, you have a VC fund that's another legal entity, and then these, these two have a contractual agreement, they invest in individual companies. Now the whole process, the whole cycle of venture capital is you have to raise a fund, you have a number of years to invest the funds, a number of years to actually nurture your investments and grow them, you take a seat on the board, you try to help the company develop and so on, and then you have a few years at the tail end to actually realize your investments. And all of this needs to fall into place at the right time. So if you've done all this good work up to here, and then you're in 2008 and the financial market collapse, well, this could be delayed, seriously. It could take several years before you can actually realize which, an investment which otherwise would be ready. So that's, that's an issue. You know, there are some serious limitation with the venture capital model, which I'd, I'd like to leave you with, with that message. <clears throat> um, so just to go over those, and this is not unique to the venture capital model, but these information asymmetries, that is what the investors learn and what the entrepreneur has in his head in terms of knowledge about the opportunity is not the same. Even if they're well-intended individuals, it's never equal. So there are information asymmetries which could result in moral hazards and, and adverse selection, and that it does. Uh, so that's an issue. It's not unique to venture capital, but it's important venture capital because this is capital which is financially motivated to, to achieve a return. So in that context, it's an issue more so than, than in other. Lack of early stage financing, particularly regional equity gaps in our so-called terms of market failures, perhaps, is an issue as a result of the, the rules and, and, and terms under which the VCs are working. Scale, and I think those who talk about crowdfunding today, I'm sure I would be surprised if they don't address this as being a key advantage. Because scales and cost of making an investment it's very significant. You have to get lawyers involved. A lot of uh, big, you know, kind of due diligence pack is quite significant. And it the lawyers that take a big chunk. So if you're looking to make a hundred thousand pound investment, it just doesn't make any sense. Even if you like it, then you have the funds to do it if you're a VC. So it, you, you require a different model to undertake these smaller investments. Okay? And, and the other one is, uh, I think, which will be discussed uh, also is, you know, we, we saw that concentration of VCs in a few hotbeds around the world. I don't believe personally that, therefore, that's where all the innovation around the world is. I believe there is, there is innovation elsewhere where the venture capital is not there and therefore it's not being developed and so on. So there is, a, there is a, an issue there. So, um, so you can think of that, you know, some, a lot of good people with good ideas, they're not getting funded and you never hear about them. You know, you never hear about those opportunities and never take off. So this is my kind of smooth transition <laughs> attempt to. So therefore, you know, we're going to talk today about a, a number of different approaches to, to alternatives to VC funding, traditional VC model. Talk about hybrid investment model, hybrid in the sense of government slash private sector 
funds, so where the government incentivized the private investors to actually look more seriously intra, you know, at, at these early stage opportunities, incentivize them in some ways. And this has proved to be, has proven to be quite successful in a number of places, including the UK, with some of you may be aware of the ECF, the Enterprise Capital Funds, introduced under the last chancellor on its six years now. Also, EIS have been around for even longer, and SEIS, Enterprise Incentive Scheme, whereby the individual investor get uh, tax rebates for putting money into those funds rather than give your 5,000 pound of tax back to the government, never see it again. If you put it into those funds, at least there's a chance something may come back. There may be some returns. So that's, these have been quite attractive in VCTs. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear about uh, Jimen today uh, and his paper about government VCs in China. And I hope I'm not mis mispositioning the second paper. I didn't see those papers. Uh, also a paper from Linda on the China growth and innovation model, which I would assume there is some government uh, support there in, in making this happen or involvement. Crowdfunding model, we also have two presentations. One, the first one from Ben, uh, uh, actually talk about the, the actual platform that's in place today and how it works and how it is servicing uh, customers and investors and also a paper from Stephanie on the Bennett which is published paper I found out uh, yeah <laughs> uh, the benefits of on online crowdfunding and uh, and then uh, Avan will talk about uh, microfinance which is I don't know very much I'm very keen to hear about about this this paper as well so anyway just to conclude and wrap up so I think Reliable, dependable sources of entrepreneur are very are, are really important to support entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, venture capital is an important source, but and it has a big impact. But you have these issues, okay, which we've discussed in the last few minutes. So it has some limitations, and and therefore I think it, it opens up the way for alternative financing models. Um, which I think I've um, just emerged in the last few years, which I think uh, looks very promising. Any questions? That's, I will leave it at that for, for the formal bit. Any questions on that? <clears throat> I have some remarks to make. Yes. Um, yes uh, our focus is uh, how uh, innovative uh, activities are financed. And uh, so we, mm, we should always um, consider what we mean by uh, when we say innovation. What is innovation? And uh, what are um, the stages in which innovate of the firms which innovation takes place and then is developed? Focusing on venture capital, uh, we should be aware of many, many things. The first, uh, the first is that venture capital is usually uh, involved in development, development of uh, uh, already established innovative products. Or, uh, and I think uh, the uh, developing stage of innovative firms, rather than innovation itself, which is uh, uh, starts uh, at least one stage before venture capital goes in. Um, 
So uh, looking, for example, <coughs> the, in your slide uh, on different stages and different uh, investments, you have the early stage in which venture capital is, is absent. You put in, uh, business angels uh, in, the, in, that, in that part because uh, venture capital uh, involves uh, external capital into the investments. So there's two, two uh, different reasons than uh, starting and uh, starting the ideas and uh, putting them in practice. Then what venture capital um, uh, brings about uh, for the financed firms? Usually uh, the entrepreneur loses some of the control of their activities. And uh, the control is taken over by the investors, the venture investors. Which is a, a very critical aspect. And, uh, uh, so the, the, the true investors, uh, innovators, uh, do not uh, look in favor of venture capitals. Because venture capitals uh, can, can put some heavy uh, control on their activities. And, uh, and rarely the venture capital <coughs> finances uh, patents because they enter usually when the patents are already established. So if you use patents as an indicator of innovation, which is a very, very weak indicator, the venture capital is, uh, is uh, um, completely uh, out of the picture, as you put into the slides. So this is why we uh, have uh, focused uh, our presentations uh, rather than the venture capital to uh, innovative ways that we are uh, putting our um, attention on. Thanks, Carlo. These are all good points. Uh, I think in the interest of time, maybe I will just nuance, uh, I agree with most of what you said, nuance a couple points, though. Uh, one, in particular, like uh, you said, uh, I think if I heard you well, you said that VCs, the real entrepreneurs, will not be interested in VC. Uh, actually, uh, evidence shows uh, that's not quite true. Uh, the real entrepreneur, uh, you could argue, is the serial entrepreneur who has successfully built up company from A to Z, taken it public time after time. Uh, you will find that these entrepreneurs actually are welcoming VCs. They know how to work with them. And the reason is, yes, there is always a loss of control. You don't have absolute power. Although, uh, you know, as you know, absolute power uh, corrupt absolutely. Uh, but uh, you don't have absolute power when you bring VC in. Uh, you lose that if you had it for a while. But despite that, the serial successful entrepreneur will welcome VCs because VCs have a huge global network of contacts. Investors on VC in VC firms typically have on average, and certainly in the US and more so more and more in the UK, 15 to 20 years of industry experience then at the CEO, senior executive level, and therefore they can add commercial value to the venture. It's not just passive money like buying stock in IBM or, or Cisco or if you have Facebook. 
uh, I think it's a very active type of investments. And I think the true entrepreneur, the true, the true successful entrepreneur, who've been through it several times, will not feel threatened by that and will welcome that value add. You know, will welcome that trade-off. Uh, the last point you made, if I, I um, if you just refresh my memory, the very last point, you, oh yeah, patents. I think it's true when you talk about traditional sectors like semiconductors or hardware, PCs, or even life science like biotech, those are very patent intensive. But beware that the very active area for VCs has been the internet sector, certainly of the last five, ten years, and software sector. There's no patent there. So I think you have to be careful saying patent is all, is the evidence of innovation. VCs can actually clearly read through this and see if there's really a secret sauce with or without patents to invest in, you know? Uh, I just want to nuance that point. So patents is, is more relevant in some sectors than in others. That's all I want to say. But um, are we, who's managing, who's chairing the time? Are we okay on time or? I don't want to take on the next speaker's time. Two minutes. Two minutes? Okay, maybe one or two more questions then. Thanks, uh, Marco. Yes, yeah, go ahead. So Odile? Were you, Did, were, you, were you in for the, the whole thing or just a. Oh, I missed the two minutes. Um, so ah, okay, so you didn't miss too much. Just okay. Your okay, shoot. Um, no, I found your figures very interesting on the stagnant or declining number of yeah. your VC um, funds. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and I find that with your uh, conclusion that there are also not only an issue of numbers, but maybe an issue of, of quality of it, in fact, or problems uh, from those VC funds. So what I wanted to get from you with the new models and other alternative models for funding, do you see these um, as substitute or sort of, sort of addressing those issues? and or complementary, so in a way, over time, would increase the amount of, of funds to, to these entrepreneurship, uh, you know, um, entrepreneurs. So are they complementary or substitutes? I think... And what do you expect? And, and yeah. Because it's quite interesting. That, uh, I think the jury is still out, but I think even in the best, and that's an opinion I'm voicing, because I'm, I haven't done research on those kind of different models. I'm reading very uh, intently what's coming out on this. But I think, I think all, each of those models uh, address a particular issue of venture capital, the venture capital model as it stands. None of those actually provides a complete solution addressing and overcoming all the issues that have been identified with venture capital. So what I'm trying to say is even in the best of cases, let's say in five years from now, I don't think we would have solved all the problems of venture capital, the fundamental problems of venture capital, structural problems of venture capital, even if this goes according to plan and really well. But they will, this will contribute, you know, as I say, being able to attract and tap on smaller investments for a larger number of investors is just not possible now with VCs. Uh, you know, uh, even VCTs, I think you need to invest, you know, I don't think they, they look for a one, one pound or ten pound donation or investment. They're looking for more. Uh, and, you know, uh, certainly in terms of uh, financing innovation in developing or poorer countries, 
uh, I think microfinance is very promising uh, and I think there's been a lot of development in this area. I think there's been a Nobel Prize uh, winner uh, who actually made a major contribution in Africa to help small communities there. So that, I look at this as this is very exciting, you know. But um, I don't think, I think there's more room for more innovative models to, to, to sort out and address all the issues, you so know. those wouldn't really combine, they would add more Yeah, space. yeah, to, uh, small bits, yeah, correct. Okay, well, thank you very much. So I will stop the um, recording.